Welcome to Kim Moffat is a Fan. My guest today is John Brotherton. You may know John from One Life to Live as Jared Banks and Clint Buchanan, as only a soap can do. He also played Dr. Matt Harmon in Fuller House, Shepard in Furious 7, and he's playing Steve in the upcoming Chosen Family, which I am, I truly could not be any more excited about. He has also saved Christmas in Christmas on Cherry Lane, Lights Camera Christmas, The Christmas Contest, and Girlfriends of Christmas Past. I know John from Fuller House, and when I tell you, John is just like, I don't know how to explain him any better than just saying that he puts so much love and authenticity into just everything he does. Uh, He's just like, he's just a good guy. You know what I mean? Like just a good human being. And uh, even though I have known him for a while, met him during Fuller House, it was really fun to talk about everything from what it means to be a girl dad, because he has girl dad energy. Some parents of young girls have like parental energy. John has girl dad energy. We also talk about Bob Saget and the idea of how difficult it can be at first, but how important it is to tell the people that you love that you love them. Um, We talk about life. We talk about work. We talk about it all. This is, I loved this conversation with John and I hope you do as well. Please enjoy John Brotherton. First thing I'm having people do is introduce themselves because um, it just is easier for me. This is if and if you don't like this, this is Andrea Barber's idea. But it's easier for me. You just introduce yourself. So in other words, I can just be mad at her and get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I think she's a human being. It's impossible to get mad at. But I think hello, so. I am John Brotherton. Uh, what else? What else should I introduce myself as? Girl dad. You have such girl dad energy. I it is my entire world for the last few, you know, I guess thirteen years now, and it and it's uh, for the next however many, I guess forever. But you know, I'm in it right now because I've got teenagers, so like, it's you know, it's my life. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's where I feel my most at home. Um, it's uh, it's pretty. It's an honor. It's an honor to be a girl dad for sure. I love that. What do you think? What do you think it is that makes like a girl dad a girl dad versus just like a dad that has girl daughters? No, you know what it is. I think for me, it's like a hybrid of loving them up, but also in a way, and this might sound old fashioned, but in a way, also treating them like a boy. And you know, like because, and I say that because, like, you know, I grew up like. I was, I grew up with a single mom. So, and, and, um, so very much in the presence <laughs> of feminine energy, but I was like a jock. I was like, you know, grew up just like a boys, 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 like, give me a ball. Let me play. I want to, you know, get dirty and do the whole thing. So when I had little, little ones, like literally as soon as they were toddlers, the only thing I knew to do with them was to play, 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 you know? So when every yeah. time we went to the park, We took a ball, whether we were kicking it, hitting it, throwing it, shooting it. um, And that's just how I knew how to raise them. I was, you know, a little roughhousing here and there. I like to toss them around. We would wrestle and, you know, throw them on the couch. And and that's just the only way I knew how to love them up. Um, And, you know, as my mom likes to say to me, because I grew up going, I can't wait to have a boy when I'm a dad. I'm going to play football and da-da-da-da-da. 
And now that I have all girls, you know, my mom says to me all the time, she's like, well, you got your boys. Cause I have two girls that are not, uh, they're not wallflowers. You know, they're both jocks. They're both strong, independent, badass, totally different, but like badass young ladies. Um, and I couldn't be more proud. So I think the girl dad thing, you know, I take it straight from Kobe. I think he's the one that really made girl dad popular and famous you know, he started doing hashtag girl dad with Gigi, um, God rest his soul. But I think he took pride in elevating the spotlight on how badass young ladies can be. Um, specifically for him, it was in sports. It was really elevating the, the world of basketball. Like we were literally just at the sports academy last weekend for a basketball tournament. And that was like, that's the house that Kobe built. I mean, it's this giant sports academy that like, he's the one that put it on the map. He's the one that, you know, championed it. So I think the, to answer your question long windedly is, you know, I think it goes, it goes beyond, um, just sort of the old fashioned way of raising, uh, you know, a dad's relationship with his daughter. I think now it's, it's, you know, it's, um, there's, there's maybe more of a sense of involvement and pride and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to, you know, have them do my makeup, but at the same time, they're not afraid to go out and play a one-on-one with me in the street. Um, and you know, it's kind of what we've always known. Uh, so it's an honor for me for real. Yeah. Those, they're the most, they're just cool kids. They're so (laughs) unique. I I just, I just adore them. They're like genuinely cool kids. Thank you. They are yeah, pretty, (laughs) pretty amazing. In fact, this piece of art might, the cool thing is like just the random stuff that they do. I'm going to show you this piece of art that my daughter just did. Cause I don't know about you when I did watercolors as a kid, like it was a mess and generally there ended up being a hole in the paper cause I would overdo it. Uh, yeah. so this is 12 by eight that my daughter did with watercolor. Let's see if I, you can see Get it out of here. Come um, on. Then that's watercolor too. It's watercolor and pencil. Um, and it's called natural wow. light. Um, it's 12 by, uh, 12 by 18. So it's big. It's cool. Um, and her school is using it as like their poster. They've been, you know, giving tours to next year's students and they're like, yeah. look what we do in our class. Um, <laughs> so they've asked to like, keep it for a while, which is pretty cool. It's, um, so my point is it's fun. Cause like my daughter's like a total jock on one hand and then she loves to get girly and do her makeup, but it also is this like incredible artist. That's my eldest. Um, and then my youngest is just an angel. She's an empath. She's a four point. She's, she's all, she's just like, I could like close my eyes and let her fly and she would just like soar. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got really lucky. I mean, I got to give credit to my wife. I married a badass. So, you know, the fact that I have two little badasses is, is, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, Allison is yes. Badass is like the perfect way to describe her. (laughs) (laughs) He's deceiving because uh, she looks cute and innocent, but like little do they know I call her. She's my little ninja. She is not messing around. That's how she gets away with it. Cause she's also gorgeous. Well, yes. Thank you. I, I got very lucky. I certainly married up. <laughs> um, did you guys meet on Smith and Mike on a Tuesday? That's your short. <laughs> I, I did my research. Not, not to brag. I did my research. <laughs> no, but I, I'm so proud of that little film. We actually met before that in acting class. Um, back in the day, my wife was an actress. 
fantastic actress. And it was our both of our first acting class when we moved to L.A. It was the Baron Brown Studio. It's a two-year Meisner program. So it was like it was it was awesome because we became really close. A group of us to this day, we're all still really close. Um, became really close friends first, which was uh, I think a key to the uh, a long-term success. Um, fortunately she was actually in a relationship when we met, which was probably the best thing ever. Cause I I'm sure would have just screwed it up as a 23 year old and just like gone for the gold right away and like messed the whole thing up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, we fell in love in acting class. Um, we had, in fact, we had our teacher ordained. That's who married us. Oh my God. Uh, shout out to Elaine Williams. Brilliant teacher. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, no. And since then she's married like a few different people. Actually, she married Katie. You remember the director, Katie Gerritsen? Yeah. yeah. He, they went to college together at USC. They're like best friends. And post uh, me getting her ordained, like I remember like a year after she she calls me in New York. We were living in New York at the time. And she's like, do you still have my certificate of, you know, whatever it was called to be ordained? She's like, because I, oddly enough, have another request. Um, but then fast forward years later, I'm on the set of Fuller House learn that Katie is one of my old teacher's best friends and that she married her. And I'm like, I was the one that got her ordained. <laughs> Great job. For a second, I thought you were saying that she married Katie. They are a married couple. I was oh, like, no, 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 no. what a small world. I mean, it's still a very small world, but I yes, no, totally. Yeah. Exciting so, either way. <laughs> uh, but then to, so for Smith and Mike, um, that was like, we had just started dating me and my buddy ran that I did it with. we, you know, we were sick of getting second place on projects and we were like, let's do our own thing. So we mm -hmm. rallied all our friends and cashed in a bunch of friend credit. Um, and yes, Ali was in that. Um, and to this day, it was like one of the best experiences of my career was putting that movie together. What about it was so like, just, this is it. This is the one that is still my, one of my favorites. Well, it was cool because it was sort of like putting myself through film school. Um, and it was right before the tech boom. So we still had to do it old school. Like we put it on the little mini DV tapes. Um, you had to record sound old school. It's like, you couldn't, now we could shoot the whole thing on my phone and it would look just as good, if not better. So we, but we still had to, we had to cash in favors with editors and producers and a lot of friends fantastic actors brian Baumgartner from the office is in it jimmy matteo from band of brothers and a million cook and a million projects was in it we had a great 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 cast um and so it was just an exercise we did it from beginning to end me and my one of my best friends we wrote it we produced it we directed it i mean we would be in the middle of a scene and then during cut would be like hold on i gotta call luncheon and we'd be like calling luncheon i remember we 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 told everyone we couldn't afford, you know, to pay anyone, but we said we'd give you $10 a day for gas and we'll, you know, we'll feed you well. And everyone was like, we're in. Um, I had to, I pawned off a watch and a snowboard to pay for it. Like it was so old school. We, like wow. we, we literally did it like, you know, by our bootstraps, like getting this thing done. Um, and it really felt like a fun accomplishment. We got it in a couple film fests. It was at Santa Barbara Film Fest. It was in the Hollywood Shorts. Um, and it got some attention and then I booked a soap opera, moved to New York, and then it sort of like got put on the back burner. Um, but, uh, and it was really fun too, because it's very stylized, which is, you know, my goal is still to direct and I, and I really enjoy sort of that Guy Ritchie fast paced stylized, uh, filmmaking where the, the director really puts his stamp on things. Um, mm -hmm. 
and doing it just us and independently, we were able to do whatever we wanted um, without a studio. You know, I mean, it's only like 16 minutes, um, but it was like, you know, we didn't have anybody to answer to but ourselves. Um, and so it was just a great experience because it was also, like I said, in the beginning of my career, when you're fighting for a job and you're told no more, more than anything. Um, and, you know, so it was, yeah, just a really great, great, great experience. Even to this day, I'm still proud of it. Yeah. There is like such a special magic about doing a short early and uh, just pulling all your friends together and like making friends and asking strangers for help. And uh, as soon as you said having all the mini DV tapes, I just immediately flashed back to like, I would have so many and you got to do all the transfer and it takes forever. But yeah, there is something so special about that. No, it's true. I mean, because it's like, really, we all moved to LA, like fueled by passion, you know, and over time, like that can be sort of jaded and you can get frustrated. You're in the middle of a career. And I look back and I'm like, man, I had so much hope and passion back then. Like I always try to like, have that be my touchstone every once in a while when I'm like frustrated or whatever is like, if I can just go back to that energy and, you know, I'd be so content with where I am now. Um, But to your point of mini DVs, this is when we were doing it, because nowadays this would never happen. But when we were doing it, we wrapped up on our final day, said goodbye to everyone. We had a mini pizza party. Everyone's driving home and the DP's packing up and he goes, oh, shit. And we're like, what? Oh, God. And he goes, we recorded 21 minutes over day one. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, how does that even happen? How is that even a possibility? <laughs> oh, oh. But it was back with those tapes. And so yeah. literally everyone's still in their car driving home. And I call everyone and I'm like, guys, don't hang up the hat yet. Like, can we get you for one more day next weekend? This is what happened. Now we turned it into a silver lining because we ended up kind of like, if you get a second chance at some stuff, you're like, okay, we can improve on some things. So I'd like to think we like sort of were able to do things better the second time around, but it was like so heartbreaking in the moment because we had put so much work and effort into putting this project together. We thought we were done and then boom, we realized 21 minutes, but everyone, no one even hesitated, which was great. Everyone's like, we'll see you next weekend. That's so nice. We pulled it off. So, Oh man. What, um, what about directing makes you still want to do it? You know, there's a, I think the jock in me, it's a combination of the jock and the artist (laughs) in me because there's this like team leadership coach thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, like I really thrive off the energy of a group. I like to be the sort of um, papa bear of the group that everyone can kind of lean on. Um, And I'm also obsessed critically with the artistic side of things you know on sets even to this day when i'm just the actor i still find myself like in video village sit next to the director asking questions i'm always chatting with the dp what's my frame what lens are you using are we long are we short are we wide like where's my frame what you know what what's the like all that's i love the whole process Mm -hmm. um and you know i grew up like i said with a single mom who was just an artist through and through like i grew up 
where in my house it was film and TV were our sports. Like the Oscars was our Super Bowl. Me and my mom would sit at the dinner table and, you know, we'd go to the movies, but my mom didn't take me to like Spider-Man, Superman. She took me to like the art house. Like as a little kid, I was like going to see my left foot or like these art house movies where, and then we'd go out to dinner and discuss the directing and the editing and the costumes and the casting and the actors as like a little kid when I was like 10 years old. And I just thought that was like normal household (laughs) chats and and so there was definitely this sort of influence in the back of my mind that was always wanting to put that puzzle together Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's I mean I still you know I'm still trying to get projects going that ultimately I want to be behind the camera I just I really really enjoy it what does your mom think now? Now you're here in Hollywood, in the middle of the floods, making yeah, movies. What totally. is she like? Yeah, I mean, my mom, just like anybody else, she's she's certainly my biggest fan. I grew up with the opposite that most people experience, like where I was like a very serious kid. Sports and school, super serious to me. I was going to go to college, get my business degree, put on a suit and tie, head to Wall Street or wherever, and like go tackle corporate America. And my mom was like, I think you should go to Hollywood and which is so opposite from what most kids in the business experience. Usually it's like, I want to go to Hollywood mom. And they're like, you're crazy. You're never going to do that. No, you're going to business school. But it was a combination of things. One, I mean, I was, I always, I started acting at a young age, but totally as a hobby, never considered it a career because I didn't take it seriously in that regard. I took it very seriously as a craft, but totally as a hobby. Um, and, and my mom was always encouraging me, like, I think you should lean into this and go to Hollywood. And I was like, no, I got to like, you know, because I guess you could say I don't come from money. Right. So we, I grew up in a situation where it's like my mom broke the chain of abuse, so to speak, for and provided just a childhood of love for me. But we didn't have money, so to speak. So like my determination was like, I'm going to go be the one that breaks that chain and, you know. Yeah. But my mom just encouraged me. And I think there's something to be said when you don't, you know, for lack of a better term, come from anything. You don't have some pressure. Like you don't have to live up to some family name. I didn't have some like legacy. Like I was supposed to take over the family business or go. My mom was just like, spread your wings and fly. Like there was just such a sense of go do it. Like there was no hesitation in just like go after whatever your dream may be. Um, and so when I made the decision to do this, like 180, which was a moment in time in college, um, my mom was my biggest champion. She just uh, erupted in applause, like, um, which it was, it was one moment in time when I was in college. I, it was during the summer before my senior year, I had an internship with this real estate development company in Seattle and it was falling apart. It was a disaster. The company was falling apart. Thank God. Cause in retrospect, had it been some amazing experience, I'd probably still be in that world. Yeah. But I was standing in line at a grocery store after work, all dirty from this job site and staring at the cover of uh, an Us Weekly. And Ben Affleck was on the cover and it was a paparazzi shot. He was at a Boston Red Sox game and he had his hat on and he was just a dude at a baseball game. And I was staring at it and there was something I could totally relate to. I was like, here's a guy who is a total artist on one hand, but grew up in a neighborhood where like he loved sports and loved being a dude's dude. And like, 
and it was something about that. I was like, you can do both, you know, yeah. you don't have just to be an artist doesn't mean you have to be some like weird intrinsic, like sort of like, I'm not, you know, some oddball, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Even though in, inside I felt like an oddball, but he was also this guy I could relate to who also wanted to go to the ball game and like be that kind of dude. Um, and there was a moment in time where I went and it was staring at this cover and I went from never considering it as a career to going, Oh my God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing that. And wow. it, I literally, it was the only time in my life I've had like a moment epiphany, like one moment changed my life. I went out to the parking and I said, mom, I'm going to pack my bags and go to LA. And she was like, woo. I called her, <laughs> you know, she pulled her car over and she was like celebrated it. Um, and, uh, I never looked back. I mean, I went and I graduated, I went to my senior year in college, but I spent that whole senior year in every theater I could be in. I was in every play at Oregon state. It was where I was going to college. I was, got super involved in, I started studying, 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 reading biographies of actors. And, um, and as soon as I graduated, I packed my car and moved to LA with nothing. I had nothing but the clothes in the back of my car. I had no place to live, no money. I mean, I'd very little money, um, no job, no anything. It was just like, I moved to LA just like winging it. And, um, so, you know, it was a grind, certainly a grind. What was your first job here in LA? Um, so right away, I, my first acting job or my first job job, your first job job. How'd you get a little jingle in your pocket? Yeah. So I got a job as a bouncer actually, which is a, which is so funny. Me and ironically me and one of my best friends to this day jay hayden i don't know if you know him he's an actor he's on station 19 right now oh i do Uh, yes he um i i'm a big fan of his from this one web series i mean in general but also a web series he did that i'm obsessed with that was on hulu yes and they never was first totally battleground yes (laughs) it was fantastic i loved it so much (laughs) totally it was a little almost almost before it's time because like hulu hadn't taken off yet um, so it was this Jay and I were bouncers at this club and oh we were just God. goofballs at the front. Really. We just like flirted with girls and like it, we, you know, we were actually great bouncers cause we talked our way, everyone out of everything instead of being like, Oh, well, let's fight. We would be like yeah. diplomats and we'd either make people laugh or make people like get along or hug it out or, um, and uh, we've stayed really close to this day. And it was kind of one of those rare things where it was like two people working at the same you know, club or bar or restaurant that both has actually sort of made a career for themselves in it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to this day, I mean, we've done a fantasy football podcast together for the last few years. Um, yeah. He's one of my, one of my dearest friends, but we met on the bar stools outside of Q's on, on Wilshire <laughs> over there in Brentwood. Uh, oh, I love that. <laughs> totally. So, uh, so that was my first job job from there, you know, as, as a starving artist, I waited tables and I bartended and did the whole thing. Actually, I actually loved bartending, which was still to this day. I enjoy it. Um, but then my first acting gig, I was here a couple years before I booked a commercial. Um, and I booked, I think, I think I did four commercials before I finally landed like a real, acting acting job i did one guest star on the show the game which was like a sitcom football players um and then shortly after that my first real break was in 2007 i booked a soap opera um and so that moved me from la to new york like overnight it went from like bartending on a friday to like monday you start um and that was just a crazy whirlwind and just a dream come true um that's amazing that was that was wild that was wild 
did you know that you were going to be on the soap for that long as you were headed out to New York? Did you, or were, was it like, this is going to be um, a couple days on a soap and then we'll kind of see how we progress from there. Well, you sign a contract. So it was a three-year deal. Wow. Um, you're also not guaranteed that three years. Sure. They can cut you, uh, you know, along the way if they want to. In fact, while I was there, I saw that happen to a lot of people, not because they were necessarily bad actors or bad seeds or anything, Frankly, the speed at which a soap opera is produced and filmed is not for everybody. Um, I mean, it is, it is like I said, boot camp for actors. A lot of people call it that because you are working at the speed of light. It really trains you to be a professional um, mm -hmm. because you can't – you have to know your stuff, know your marks, know everything, and you move so fast. Um, and so I went out there for three years, uh, and my people were like, you're doing one contract, and you know, you're coming back to L.A., um, and that's, you know, sort of how it worked out. It was because they said, you're going to get used to it. You're going to like, you know, being on, but we, you know, nothing against being on a soap opera. I used to this day, was so grateful that I did it. I loved it. And frankly, I'm glad I did it before, you know, it's a dying breed. Yeah. Um, but so many actors have come from it. It was the greatest training ground ever. It was such a great training ground. Um, you know, it, cause every day is like a superlative every day. The drama is so high that you have to make it work. It's like, oh, a baby died and someone's kidnapped and I'm locked in a basement and I'm, you know, wow. uh, switching DNAs. And I mean, all yeah. it's like, it's like ultimate acting class to make this stuff work. Yeah. Um, so it makes, it makes other stuff, you know, pale in comparison to the amount of drama <laughs> that you go through in one episode of a soap opera. You don't feel like the stakes were as high on Fuller House? <laughs> uh, i don't know there was an alligator one day so it no, felt you know, like I, say, I get that question all the time because i tell people i'm like no the alligator was real yeah. like that was a real alligator uh but i can tell you the crossover is it's filmed exactly the same way being that it's a, the fourth wall you have the you know three camera four boom kind of like same setup um so as far as stage direction goes and marks go and understanding cameras, the soap opera and a sitcom are filmed exactly the same way, except it's just the difference is live audience. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the soap really trained me um, for the technical side of uh, Fuller House or being on a sitcom. Um, and then the rest was live theater, which is where I grew up doing. So like that's th which was the greatest part of Fuller House was the live audience. Yeah. Uh, besides the people. Um, like yourself eh. and the rest of the cast. Let's be uh, honest. Oh, Let's, we're all thinking of it. The people on Fuller, ugh, nobody stayed in touch. Nobody loved yeah, right. each other. <laughs> Bunch of bad eggs. Nobody Marriages have not come from the show. Nothing's right. happened. No, <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, but look, guys, it's looking back, like we were so blessed from top yeah. to bottom. Everyone on that call sheet from crew to cast was like, that was such a special time. It yeah. really was. And I don't know how you recreate that. There really is, like you said, it's just it's just like this magical thing that happens every once in a while. Because I've been on shows where it's like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Also, same thing, top to bottom, everybody's great. But there was nothing really that same. No. Whatever was in the air there on that stage no. is different. No, you're 100% right. And you know who reminded me of that every single time we were on stage? And I'll never forget it was Bob Saget. Yeah. Every single time we were on stage together, he would pull me aside. He'd pull everybody aside and be like, how lucky are we? Are we not the luckiest people in the world? Like oh light, he'd, go, he'd say it every time. He'd go, yeah. lightning in a bottle twice. Who catches lightning in a bottle twice? We're so lucky. I love you so much. Like 
he set such a standard of love and appreciation in this business that like, he's always my mental touchstone going, God, he was so grateful. He was so successful and everyone loved him. And yet he never took a day on that set for granted. Yeah. I got like, as soon as you said lightning in a bottle twice, I got like a little choked up because that, that is what he would say. And that, that is, yeah, that's absolutely true. I, um, yeah, he just like full, so full of love. My friends and I now like really make a point to even just last night, we all went to dinner and like, I see these people all the time, arguably too often. And we will hug and tell each other that we love each other when we right. leave. Cause you have to. It is so true you said that because I sense knowing Bob, he was one of the first older males that wasn't family in my life that told me he loved me. And I remember in the beginning, like clocking it going, whoa, like that Bob Sega just told me he loved me. You know what I mean? And of course I said it back, but he said it with such ease because I think he had experienced so much loss in his life and mm -hmm. he understood the importance of love. And since then, like you just said, I make it a point in my life with my buddies to tell them I love them. And, and I feel like it has become easier for me and my peers and just people in general to say that. Um, and you know, I remember he would pull even my wife, Allison, he would be, I love you guys. And it, it meant something to her. And like, it, I remember the first time we were on stage, it was after a show and he said, I love you to me. But I mean, he says it so genuinely that like, and then it, it just comes out, it just, it just comes out of him, you know? And, and I never, like you just said, the same, I say it, I say it more now to my buddies because of Bob Saget than I ever did before. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not shy about it anymore. And, you know, I hang up with certain friends and every single time it's like, I love you, brother. Love yeah. you too, man. And like, it's become so, um, just part of our conversation. Um, and it really, it does, it comes back, it comes back to Bob. Totally. And that's hard too. It's hard. It's like oddly hard to tell sometimes people that you love, that you do love and you, it's, so true. you, it's just like saying it out loud is like, and it's very vulnerable, but also just, it gets easier though. <laughs> like, you know, as you say no, it, it more really often. Does. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think there's this weird weight we put on it, you know, that like somehow it's needs to be attached to, you know, the, a relationship or something that yeah. it made it for a while, like, you know, hard or, or too sensitive to say to your buddies or something. And, you know, I'm glad like, no, he did. He just set a standard that changed the game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about working on Fuller and, but, um, I started to like write down what was it like to, um, the difference to start working in front of a live audience so often. I know that that wasn't your first sitcom. And then I just immediately deleted the question because I just thought about you being on stage and like, you're a live audience guy. <laughs> like <laughs> You were made to have an audience just like, because, and, and I would see it with Stamos too. Just like, there's an energy that you're feeding off of, but you're like giving right back to them. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, it is my favorite space. Yeah. And honestly, if I could do a sitcom forever, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything as quite as special as sharing that moment with a live audience. Um, and that instant feedback and making people laugh. And I think what you just said is the key though. And my mom always said it when I was doing theater as young is like, when in doubt, give a gift. In other words, don't make it about yourself. If you make give a gift to the audience, it relieves you of the pressure. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if you make it about them and just like, 
not just entertaining them, but just connecting and making people laugh and smile and feel good. Like it totally relieves you of pressure. And there is nothing like bringing that house down. I mean, it was the most fulfilling, gratifying. I mean, first of all, I'm doing it with people I love genuinely. And like everyone was so talented on that stage. It made it look so easy. Like done right, it looks so easy, which is always the thing about whether it's drama or comedy, but done right, it looks easy. Like the greatest actors look like they're not acting, right? And like working with that cast, like everyone was just so good. Um, but there's there was just nothing like an energy in front of a live audience. And we were so lucky to have an audience that just wanted to be there so bad. Sometimes it's like, you couldn't even get to the punchline and they were laughing. Like I'll never forget when like we'd be pulled aside. They're like, okay, the audience is really hot tonight. So let the laugh go. And then you get to get to the punchline and then like, let the laugh, it'll go laugh and laugh and laugh. Hold, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, It was, it was so special because like they were so happy to be there. Yeah. It, it was wild. People would fly in from all over the world and often not be able to get in, which <laughs> as the audience coordinator, I would just hear like there are oh. so-and-so number of people that can't come in. I'd be like, I have never felt worse about myself because I watched Full House as a kid. There, I mean, I didn't understand that you could be in the audience for a show, but had I like gotten that yeah. understanding and that opportunity, there's nothing I would have wanted more in my life than to be in the audience. And having to turn no, people away sure. was like the worst. Well, I got to give Andrea Barber credit, and I'm sure you had something to do with it because um, you were always Oz behind the scenes. But <laughs> when during, I guess it was the last two seasons, when we would golf cart over the parking lot for all the audience members that did not. Oh, this get it. is all her. This is not me at all. Yeah, can't can't take well, any credit. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was so cool because we would take that giant selfie with the hundreds of people that couldn't get in. And I feel like that moment at least gave them something to go home with and be like, wow, you know, and it meant so much to go over there and say hi to the audience, you know, that was been waiting in the parking lot. Like you said, like flying from it all over the world, which was, you know, so to honor that to them, you know, was a special moment. Um, And of course, that's Andrea, like her just bleeding heart going, we got to make everybody happy. Yeah. You know what I could have used on Fuller is like, if everyone was going to be so talented, and so good looking, I could use all of you guys being a little less nice. That's the, (laughs) I think that's where I, that's where I'm coming from is like, don't be, don't be all all three. (laughs) I'm going to need some like bullying, (laughs) you know? It was what was special about, there was, I I try to tell people all the time, like nothing about that show was fake. And I think that's where the magic came from is like, it it was genuinely, there was no, it was the only set and I've been on great sets, whether film or TV or whatever, but it was puppy dogs and rainbows from, from top to bottom. Like we all yeah. loved to be there for rehearsal. Like everyone wanted to just go to work. Yeah. Like I loved getting there and walking in with my coffee and seeing everybody. And like, it was just, it was just incredible. It was a really incredible time. Yeah. I always think of this quote. I don't know why it's weird. Like how, this is such a throwaway quote, but it really stuck in my head um, when I was a kid and like knew that I wanted to come to L.A. and like wanted to work in TV. I read an interview with Matthew Perry talking about it was like the end of Friends. So maybe I was in co- already in film school and like ready to go. And uh, he talks about how he loved working on the show so much. It was one of those things where you would be driving into work and you would lean a little bit forward in the dashboard because you wanted wow. to get there a little bit sooner. And uh, yeah, like that, that is, that feels like a, a, a great, great example. A great analogy. Cause it's yeah. so true. 
I, I've told this story a few times. When I first moved to LA and was clueless about anything, I would drive, and you're just like living on a dream. I remember driving around Warner Brothers with the grand walls that it, oh. it feels like it's a fortress. You know, it's got the giant posters on the outside. And I really remember driving around that whole thing and going, man, I just want to get in there one day. Let me get in there one day. And so the thing that to me was probably one of the like most special parts of my sort of career there on that show was when I got the parking pass that gets attached to your car, the drive on pass. So driving on the lot and having that thing go up every single day that that happened, I clocked it in my brain, like driving on that lot, having the freaking thing, the security guard wave as you drive by, it was the most special feeling to, you know, this was, I had lived in LA, you know, I'd moved there probably 12, 15 years earlier than that. And to finally have that moment come full circle, there was not a day that I drove onto that set. So leaning forward just to get there a little earlier, I love that analogy because it was that's exactly the feeling. Every single day, you know, shout out to friends, by the way, we shot, we shot on the same stage, which yeah. was, you know, as we all know. So cool. Um, as, no, but every single time that like thing went up, the little, the, the guard, I got that feeling in my stomach. Like, how lucky am I? This is so incredibly lucky. Like, I just love driving on to that to that lot. Yeah, it's a core memory. Totally. Yeah. Um, what's the worst thing you've ever worked on with the worst crew and the worst actors to work with? Don't I know this business too well. Oh um, my god! What if you did though? What a moment! But uh, you, you know, I've had some. I mean heartbreaking experiences obviously like working on furious seven when paul the tragedy with paul happened that was like shattering um you know similar to i mean we were done but similar to when you know bob passed um i uh man you know i've been fortunate enough to not have really horrible experiences um I've been witness to some things. I know sometimes as a guest star, you can, you're kind of a fly on the wall and I've done plenty of guest stars where you're like, Oh, there's some crazy tension going on that I'm not really exactly sure what it is. Um, but you know, I also feel there is a sort of reflection of energy in this business that if you show up first thing in the morning, walking into the hair and makeup trailer with a, with a positive attitude and a smile on your face and you treat everyone with love and respect and you get to know everyone's first name. It's hard to have a bad time in this business, you know? Um, and we're also blessed as talent that we're sheltered from a lot of the BS, you know, I mean, I'm sure like on fuller house, you had to put out a lot more fires than we're even aware of. Oh, no Uh, comment. I'm sure. (laughs) You know, uh, and so, you know, I don't have many horrible stories. Um, I would say, you know, being on some large sets, sometimes things get taken for granted, Um, you know, uh, without naming names, sometimes egos can get a little too large um, and you know, so I've witnessed that happen a little bit where you start seeing people and you're going, why do you treat everyone with such disrespect? Like, you know, um, which I've just always tried to not do, so to speak. Um, but 
you know, again, I'm not going to name any names, but I've worked with some big names who, you know, some you're blown away, like, you know, on a positive, someone like Vera Formega on uh, The Conjuring. She was such a love. She was like the, 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 she was like the set mom. Um, And I remember witnessing her, there's a scene where this, like, uh, the character gets flipped upside down. It's Lily Taylor's character, but it's a stunt woman because she has a thing over her head and she's hanging from the ceiling upside down. And like during cut, everyone's scrambling to do whatever their job was. But Vera raced right over to the stunt double and is like, are you okay? Do you need water? Do you need like, what can I get for you? And I just wow. remember witnessing, I'm like, she had just been nominated for an Oscar and here she is like, you know, and so like when you see moments of like humanity like that, you're like, these, these are the kind of people or like Paul Walker was like that. He was such a love. He made me feel welcome right away on a set that was overwhelming. Um, and, uh, you know, Kurt Russell was like that, like such a stud, like just loved to be there, got to know everybody's name, positive attitude every day. Um, so, uh, you know, I wonder how, how do you feel like you personally, I guess you can't speak for anybody else, but how do you personally keep that same, like keep your normal head on your shoulders when the point of a set is to like, like you said, there are so many fires that we're keeping from you. But like the other thing is that we're kind of bending over backwards to make sure that you have what you need. And for some people, um, like you would be a great example. That's like, you just don't feed into it too much. <laughs> Other people, it's like it becomes so normal that you sure. can't help but start to rely on that. And so you you use less of your own like personal faculties when we're trying everything to make life as easy as possible for you. How do you kind of balance those two things? No, it's a great point because you do. It can be, I think it comes a lot. I mean, it's, it might sound cliche, but it comes back to like how you were raised, I think is part of it. And just kind of the person that you are I really have always pri- took, taken pride in being a professional um, and being able to take care of my own stuff. Like, and part of being a professional is like being early and doing things that some people can take for granted because they do roll out the red carpet for you when you, even if you're late as an actor, you're not going to get like chastised on set because they want you to then show up on camera and be great. So it's like yeah. I've seen people act out that like it blew my mind. I'm like, you have no idea how difficult you're being on production right now, but yet no one's going to tell you no because they want you to be at your best state when the camera's rolling. Um, So I think you have, there's a sense of being self-aware to that. And relationships have always just been really important to me. Um, So I, and I have been the help, so to speak, plenty of times. I've served plenty of drinks in this town to know what it's like to be on both sides of it. Um, I mean, I've served a lot of big names in my day of, you know, waiting tables and bartending. Um, and so, you know, once I, you know, I think like if you just live in gratitude, you know, love, respect, and gratitude shall be my only attitude. That is a saying we stay in my household. And I think like, if you just lead with that, um, there's, it's such a, wonderful position to be in when you have all these people willing to do whatever it is to make you happy just so we can get the shot that everybody wants. Um, and so I just don't take that for granted. Um, you know, and you know, I, uh, yeah, I just, anytime I'm on set, I just feel very lucky. So that's, that's kind of what is my motivation. 
That was beautiful. I don't know how to transition to this question. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is, um, that was beautiful. Hey, what's your favorite drink to make and favorite drink to have? I love I, it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> when I was bartending, I used to make a drink called the kicking cucumber, which was cucumber, jalapeno, lemon, lime, and then like a little like agave or simple syrup and, and, vodka or cucumber vodka which is this really refreshing drink with kind of a like a little kick to it yeah um my favorite drink me and my wife we're not big drinkers but when we do randomly like we like just clean there's two drinks we usually get if we go out one is like a dirty martini or one that my Mm -hmm. wife enjoys now is just like like a simple margarita but not a not like a syrupy margarita like i make a very clean margarita with just um, clean, clean ingredients. Um, and so, or I'll just do tequila on the rocks with a little lime. Um, so that's kind of where I live. What about you? I like a gin and tonic, like a classic gin and tonic. You're so sophisticated. (laughs) No, I I always say I'm like a little bit of an old man. I'm like, I'll take a gin and tonic. Like think about the war. (laughs) Um, gray whale. Shout out to gray whale. Send us some free stuff. Lord, look at you. (laughs) I, I you know, it's it's really good. It's like a very just nice tasting gin. Nice, yeah. nice. Is it piney or what? Where does it fall? It's it's dry but not too piney. It doesn't taste like a forest, which I enjoy. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a, a good martini. Again, I'm an a old man. Martini? Yeah, like a gin martini. Yeah, or? yeah gin martini. Yeah. Oh, you love your gin. <laughs> you I do. Old. I don't know why. Love I love it. That's so awesome. Now I know. It's great. But I don't have like a sophisticated palate. Um, I'll really drink anything. Uh, I would say this a lot on Fuller. And um, <laughs> this was Candace would like a couple times kind of be like, don't ever say that again. Because <laughs> I would be like, <laughs> I'm just a human like garbage can. I'll just drink whatever. Or like I'm like eating pizza. I'm like, who cares? I'm like human trash. And she'd be like, stop saying that about yourself. Right, right. <laughs> Which is true. Like we should be nicer to ourselves. But uh I'm not. So, you know, whatever. Hey, listen, I was in a fraternity back in the day, so I probably, you know, I've tried it all. I yeah. get it. <laughs> uh, you've played a Dr. Matt twice on Fuller and Friends with Benefits. Friends with Benefits, dude. <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, don't, man, well, don't, yeah. Uh, I did my research. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Um, are you a doctor in real life? <laughs> I, I am not a doctor in real life. Uh, I certainly enjoy playing uh, a doctor. Um, it's funny you say, I don't know why this is done on me, but it's funny you say that I played Matt twice because I was just having this conversation. I played like Matt a bunch, Brad a bunch, Michael a bunch. I had never played John, which is another like until this last year, I just did a movie where I was John and it was like the first time I had actually been John, which you'd think like there's a million Johns. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think I, yeah, I've been two Dr. Matt's. That's right. Friends with benefits. That was one of my first guest stars. That was a, that was a good moment. I loved that show. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I didn't watch it, but I, oh, you missed uh, out. <laughs> I'm a big fan of shows like that, that somehow only last like a short period of time. And then right. I'll just talk about it forever and be like, did nobody yeah, else yeah, watch yeah. this? And I'll be like, I guess that's why it was only on a short period of time. But I loved it. <laughs> Um, is it weird to have a character have your name? Well, it was interesting being John on this last, this was the last Hallmark movie I did. Um, and so it, it made it easier for everyone just to 
you know, oh, sure. go yeah. with like on set or whatever. Um, so I didn't really, really think about it. Um, but you know, uh, the, the funny thing is that, that, that for whatever reason, like I'm John, J-O-H-N, that's my name. I'm not Jonathan. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it's a running joke with me and my wife because mo- I'll get to set on a new set anywhere I go, whether it's – I think it even happened on Fuller. People want to call me Jonathan, and <laughs> I know it's because they think they're trying to be respectful because they just assume that's my full name. Yeah. Um, it started happening on One Life to Live, and it's, it's genuinely not my name. When you see J O N that's short for Jonathan J O H N is the biblical John. And you know, uh, so for whatever reason, but I get on set and it happens on any set. It happened on my last Hallmark movie. It happened on this movie I just did with Heather Graham chosen family. Everyone wants to call me Jonathan because they think they're being respectful, which of course I appreciate and I'm not going to like get mad at, um, But, uh, but it's the only place like, it's like for whatever reason on set, you know, everyone wants to call me Jonathan. That's really funny. Um, you said John, like the biblical, were you named after John in the Bible? Uh, I was named after my dad. (laughs) Um, I'm the second. So I'm John Edward Brotherton, the second. Um, and I don't think it had any, I don't think my dad even was named for any biblical reason. I think John was just a hot name in the, you know. (laughs) 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> gotcha. Um, my cat is named Ruth and, okay. um, my dad can never remember the name of this cat. And, um, he'll sometimes he'll ask me like Ruth in the Bible. And I'd be like, I didn't know there was a Ruth in the Bible. Well, I mean, who's Ruth in the Bible. I have no idea. Man. <laughs> I think it's cause he doesn't want to admit that he has a daughter who named her cat after a liberal Supreme court justice. So uh, I think it's just like, uh, any other reason? <laughs> I got it. Well, I, I love it because Ruth as a cat also should be drinking gin and tonics. It sounds like a very uh, she's got old you know. lady energy for sure. <laughs> totally, like yeah. in a smoking jacket with like a, a cigarette holder. Like ah, I'm Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to make that happen now. <laughs> she'll just pack her bags and walk out of the house. Um, on IMDb, you are listed as a sound recordist on two projects. <laughs> What's going on? You know, it's funny. This has come up a few times. I have no idea how that got on there. None. I think there was an old John Brotherton credit of someone else um, that somehow got blended in. I have zero clue. There's no, nothing in my career have I been in, but you're not the first to ask because then people are like, what is going on there? Um, So there's some other John Brotherton out there that did some sound recordings on some job a long time ago who they've somehow... Um, and I think it was before I even had my first credit. I believe there was a, he was already on IMDb, um, but now it's on my name. So I wonder if he uses that. Like if he's like, no, I, I like (laughs) he uh, (laughs) tries to catfish people with your IMDb because your picture's on there too. Just be like, no, this is me for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Can't you remember? (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Um, was the conjuring scary to work on? Another question I get all the time, which, uh, well, it, you know what, then I'll stop asking what? these. No, 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 I think it's funny because we actually, that set was so full of joy that oh. primarily because, well, besides the fact, amazing director, James Wan, who is always full of joy, it trickles down. And then you've got four amazing leads, you know, Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, uh, Ron Livingston, Lily Taylor, but really, what dominated the energy on set is we had all these kids on set, right? Yeah. Um, shout out to like Joey King before she was Joey oh King. 
Like we had That's amazing right. yeah. kids on set. And when you have, as you know, Fuller House, like when you have kids running around set, that sort of just dictates the energy because between, you know, cut and action, they're like playing patty cake. So we're like <laughs> pretending yeah. to like have crazy shit happen. But like then when they're like resetting cameras, you've got kids being kids. And so the energy on set was like lighthearted and fun. And, and then also... For example, the scene when we're like in the basement and like Patrick Wilson's character is like spewing Latin, trying to do like an exorcism, like he had it written out like in bolder print, you know, in the Bible that he was holding. And like after cut, we would all start laughing. He'd be like, I have obviously no idea what this like, crazy Latin he's spewing. Yeah. And we would just all be in such a grand mood that when I flew home. I remember having this conversation with my wife. I was like, I had a ton of fun. I don't know how scary the movie is going to be, but you know, which is wow. so funny because we did not at the time real, realize we were making what turned into be like a whole universe, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you're just making a movie. You don't necessarily realize, holy cow, this is going to become like one of the, you know, classics of the horror universe. Um, so, no, not necessarily. It was not a scary set. Um, in fact, it was a very fun, lighthearted, uh, professional, I mean, working with them, I'll never forget those basement scenes because it was every, like in rehearsal, I'm sitting there and it was, you know, it's a small space. So it was just James, those four amazing actors and me. And I always felt like, I hope I don't get caught because like, you know, it's like imposter syndrome when you're yeah. like, Holy shit. Like, look at this. This is unbelievable. It was like a master class, and, and they were all such pros, like not jaded. They were all like there to work, brilliant actors, brilliant minds, brilliant parents outside of the you know world of acting, brilliant human beings. And I just was like, this is, this is special. Like this is amazing um so it no it definitely didn't feel scary it felt like i was a part of something just like wonderful that's cool well the poster's really scary i'm too scared to watch it the poster's really <laughs> scary though john <laughs> um what would you say is like the energy how would you describe the energy of paul walker and this is such a I, this feels like a random question but it's because i really don't know how to describe it there it, it's something special he was the one dude that I can say is that cliche uh, term that you hear all guys want to have a beer with and all girls want to sleep with, mm -hmm. right? Like he was the ultimate awesome dude. He was so incredible and he really was who he – he was great with martial arts. He could really drive a car. Like he could do his own stunts and he was great. I'll never forget. Like we had a t one of the scenes where like the armory had all the weapons laid out on a table. Cause we were doing this massive action scene. And I just watched him out of the corner of my eye. He like walked up to the table and he was like, and he would like pick up different weapons. He knew him. He ended up taking them apart and put them back together real quick. But then the coolest part about him was just how down to earth he was, how he, had no celebrity in him. He was so normal. His whole crew that he came with, including like his stunt double were like his childhood buddies. And like, 
his stunt double was his homie from like growing up and he took all his friends with them. His manager at the time, his like his, or his assistant. I don't know if it was actually his manager, but it's like his, his right-hand man. Everyone was like his homies. Um, and I could really appreciate that. And like from day one, I'm on this set. My first day was with everybody, Vin, Tyrese, Michelle, Ludacris, Kurt Russell, everyone was there. And Paul and Paul, like there was a moment in time and I'm close with this family now, like his brothers, especially. And I've told him this story because like I was walking to crafty. He was walking back from crafty. I'm brand new. We're walking by each other and he just put his hand out and like high fived me on the way. And it reminded me of when I was in high school and you'd walk by a buddy or like a teammate in the halls and you'd high five each other. There wasn't a word exchanged, but it was just like, it was like a bro thing. And it was just like, it made me feel welcome. And he probably didn't even do it on purpose to, for any reason, except like, it's just how he is. It was just how he was as a human being. Yeah. But in that moment, he has no idea like how welcoming that made me feel. Cause it was a feeling that like, I remember as just being a, a bro to my homies. Yeah. And that's just immediately how he made people around him feel. Um, I'll never forget, frankly, the last time I saw him, I was in the makeup trailer. He, we were both getting our makeup off and he was heading home, but we were on opposite ends of the trailer and big old long trailer. And he had like, he had finished and he had left. And then I hear do 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 and like back up the stairs. He like opens the door to be like, Hey John, enjoy your time back. Cause it was a weekend. We were flying home, you know, as yeah. he flew home. And like, he made a point of like coming back to the trailer, like maybe a minute had passed to say goodbye where he could have just bailed. Like he left. It was like, he just cared about people. You know, he didn't yeah. care about celebrity. He was also the one person on set that would tell everyone to get the fucking work. <laughs> like, <laughs> the rest of his ass was sort of messing around. He'd be like, you know, like guys. Yet he was the one that could care the least about being a celebrity, which was an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. You have a lot of celebrities on that set, right? You have a lot of big personalities. And Paul was just as big of a celebrity as, if not bigger than any of them, but yet had the least care in being famous. And he had the most care in being a human being. Um, and like, he really just, he kept everyone down to earth. He kept everything just, he was just awesome, man. He was such a cool, cool dude. Um, like I just feel really blessed. Our conversations, we worked together for, you know, almost two months and our conversations were about being a girl dad going back to where we started because he had a daughter who he, you know, at the time Meadow was 16. He was all excited. He was going back for her. I think it was either homecoming or prom. Um, and like he had sort of, you know, taken on a new relationship as a father with her. Um, and that was where our conversations, cause I had just had two young babies. So like our conversations were about being a girl dad. Um, it had nothing to do with the movie or being an actor or being, it was like being a human being. Um, and the most precious part of being a human and being a father, you know? Um, so my respect for him, man, I mean, what a cool, cool dude. Um, what a special human. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, as I asked that, I realized that now I'm going to have to ask a follow-up question. And that was like, so beautiful. <laughs> now there's no, again, such a beautiful response. And then just no transition, <laughs> into the, no segue into the next question, which is not going to be as like moving. You're still very close to this brother though, right? Very close. Yeah. I, uh, you know, something that some people know, some people don't, um, 
I was the actor that they asked to step in and help finish uh the role uh for the film um and so which is hands down the largest biggest honor of my whole life um Mm -hmm. was to literally step into his shoes literally um and help honor him as best we could and i did that with his brothers so we spent i mean it was a you know it took us 11 months to film that movie so we spent a lot of time together, me and his brothers. And it was, and they were like fish out of water. I mean, self-admittedly, like his older brother, you know, was down in Orange County, you know, has a chain of restaurants and his younger brother, Cody was up in Oregon as an EMT. And like, there couldn't have been further from the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were fish out of water going, what do you know? Um, and so we worked together every day for months on end. Um, to honor Paul. I mean, our call sign was for Paul. Uh, and so we, in the process, we got very close. Um, and I love them like family, like there is always a spot at my dinner table for those gentlemen at any point at any time. It's very nice. Do you, you have a, you do nonprofit work too, right? With your fantasy football league. Yeah. I love philanthropy for sure. Um, and frankly, Roe, uh, Reach Out Worldwide, which is his, uh, which was Paul Walker's organization that he started, is really what got me into it. Because after he passed, I started a, um, a charity event called Game for Paul, where we, um, we had five, we did it for five years, where we raised money, we games, because Paul loved a game, he was a gamer. Um, and we streamed gaming, we had celebrity guests, and we would raise money, we raised, you know, we raised over a million dollars for Reach Out Worldwide, which was awesome. Oh. And then that carried over to when I started my fantasy football podcast. Um, to yeah, it was, it was which I called, we called, I did it with Jay Hayden, actually, um, guilt free fantasy football. So in other words, we put all this time and effort into ridiculous game that we play fantasy football and at one point we we're like okay how do i turn this into something that is not just like uh, a waste of time uh let's raise money for charity there and so yeah that's what we did fantasy football the thing about fantasy f- football that's like first of all i don't it's, football is the one sport that i don't understand how it works um <laughs> but i grew which is my mom makes fun of me so hard about this because i grew up like um we watched baseball and she loves football also baseball i can understand i'm a very big baseball fan any other sport you put it on i'm like yes let's watch i get this football i don't totally understand what a down is i'm doing my i think it's just like the number of tries but (laughs) fantasy football you get um there's like a thing about it right where if you come in last in your league you usually have to do like some very extreme punishment true yeah. I mean, every league has their own. Some are more extreme than others. Um, I saw one online that's like someone gets a ta- tattoo. That one league does tattoos uh, that, that says I suck at fantasy football. Uh, the greatest one I've seen was this this league I saw online. Uh, the loser has to take the SATs. Oh, my God. So literally the guys sit outside. I saw this video. It's like a bunch of dudes sitting outside drinking beers and then as like these high school students are getting uh, escorted out of the school, like they're finishing the test. Some old dude comes r- r- walking out with them. They like toss him a beer. But like, I was like, that's clever. Uh, <laughs> I, in my league of record, the one I've been doing with my buddies for 15 years now, whoever's in last place, the rest of the league gets to rename their team for the following year. Oh, nice. Uh, so, which has uh, been funny. Cause of course, you know, the, you can imagine, I'm not going to say any of the, uh, 
league names because they probably team names because it probably would not be appropriate. But the irony of it all is twice that next year that team has won. So we have a cup, like a silver cup that gets engraved. So that name that we <laughs> have chosen for them actually got engraved on the cup the following year. Uh, so it's permanent in infamy, uh, their, their last place name. That's awesome. Uh, so that's our uh, last place threat. <laughs> Have you ever come in last place? Uh, not in that league. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm, I pride myself on being a pretty good fantasy football player. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't remember if I've ever come in last um but you know we'll see <laughs> well hopefully it didn't just jinx you is football yeah. your favorite uh sport hands down i'm yeah. a diehard i mean my poor girls they laugh because um, football is always on in my house um to play i love to play golf now at this point in my life but like uh football i could yeah i mean i probably know too much um, hence trying to raise money for charity to even out that mental guilt trip. That's great though. That's, I, that's nice though. <laughs> There's no guilt about it. That's hence the name. Um, yeah. did you, were you playing golf during Fuller? Like, is that part of, cause that was like a big golf. The, the guys always play golf. I would always ask, um, Mel and I would always try and get them to let us caddy. Nobody okay, ever yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> I played some during full, really like now it's funny because people are like, Hey, what's your handicap? And I'm like children. Um, <laughs> because since having kids, my golf game has probably shrunk. Um, and so, I mean, off and on. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've played consistently through the years, sometimes more than others. Uh, but if I could, I'd play every day. I love it. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And when I get to play, um, like I used to play uh, across the street at, from Warner Brothers, the George Lopez um, charity tournaments across the street at Riverside. Um, so I, I've been lucky enough to play in a lot of these sort of celebrity charity golf tournaments, um, nice. which is which is really fun. That's really cool. Um, do you remember the last time I saw you in person was at Andrea Barber's film premiere? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas on Candy Cane Lane, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Um, which was like very classic AB, which is this, the, the screening, the big Hollywood screening that we went to was at her brother's house. Her brother like very generously opened up his home and the family oh. was there and a, a few fuller people were there. It was like, perfect. Exactly. Right. Awesome. Yep. Um, do you remember us trying to pitch her and Gwen on letting us play a student teacher in the background of Lele? We we pitched her so hard and she said she was going to try to pull it off. And I haven't heard from her. Well, this, I mean, I've heard from her, but I haven't heard from her agent. <laughs> why hasn't, and, and I guess this is like a public appeal to just anybody put us in the background. I, I know. I was like, let us just be, I'll be the coach uh, or I'll be the, come on, come on. Yeah. I could play a student. I'm very you short. I, you definitely <laughs> you can pull it off. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't let you go without, I have a couple questions that I ask every episode, but before I get to them, I can't let you go without talking about chosen family because, uh, I'm excited about chosen family. I'm, yes. it's like, you have chosen a cast, just like, what would be a good movie for Kim? Here's all the people and just like <laughs> created a cast. That's exactly right for me. So, so thank you from me. Um, yeah, I chose them myself. It was totally, <laughs> I, I believe it. Uh, yeah. 
I, tell me all about it. I'm excited. I'm oh, really man. excited this about like, it. I'm so excited about this film because this is one of those dream moments in anyone's career. Um, uh, Heather Graham wrote, directed, and stars in it. Um, she is one of the most lovely humans I've ever worked with or been around. I mean, talk about a love and an empath and just someone who just wants everyone around her to be happy and never wants anyone to be uncomfortable or anything. She's just such a, such a sweetheart, like the, like ultimate sweetheart. Um, and then to have Julia Stiles play her drug addict sister, who's (laughs) amazing. And then you've got, you know, Tom Lennon, who's funny as you know what mm-hmm. um andrea savage who's freaking a force Dude. you've got michael gross who is you know the dad from family ties which we all grew up on uh so it was just one of those pinch me moments like holy cow i can't believe i'm getting to do this because you know i play heather's love interests so um you know and and uh, it's definitely i would say if I were to pick a role that I personally in my entire career that I'm probably most proud of kind of my tour de force role, um, this role was it, it was, I get, I'm a, I'm a divorced dad. I'm going through that. We're dealing with love. There's comedy, but there's also drama. There's tears, there's sex, there's, there's everything. I mean, it's a whole, it's everything. It's a coming of middle age movie. Um, it's called chosen family. Cause it's about often in life, your family it becomes chosen. The older you get sometimes, you know, depending on your background or where you come from, you know, your friends become the people in your life that are your real family. Um, and that is what the film is about her chosen family. Um, and, um, yeah, so it, it, it's awesome. It comes out. I mean, it doesn't come out. It premieres next month at the Santa Barbara film festival, um, which is a cool moment for me because it comes full circle. That's where Smith and Mike premiered 15 years ago. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm just really excited for that to, to, to come out. I haven't seen it yet, which is crazy, but that uh, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So. I'm very excited about it. Michael Gross was also, um, John Carter's dad on ER, which <laughs> oh, also okay. exciting. <laughs> like such there a random, go. um, yeah. he was only in a couple episodes every once in a while, but every time I see him, I'm like, Hey, there we go. He's so what a love man. He's he ball of energy. Like what a great guy. That's awesome. I love that. Um, are you, all right, these are the six questions I ask every single episode. This first one is a real wild card because so far it has not gone well for me. And when I tell you how hard Marla Sokoloff made fun of me for even attempting to ask this question, she didn't even answer it. She was like, move on. This is dumb. Don't do this one. And now I have Lil to ask. Little Bun. Little shout out to Little Bun. <laughs> Little Bun. Um, yeah. you, you know what just popped up? This is so random. My Apple TV, um, I changed the screensaver to do photos, but it won't. I haven't even told Marla this, and it, I'm laughing so hard just thinking about this. I, it won't let me choose the photo albums. It just will create. It'll be like, today you should watch your friend's wedding photos yeah yeah, 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 which is great like i love it for some reason this is gonna sound so creepy and for some reason it was like you should right now in this moment see a ton of pictures of marla sokoloff because it just (laughs) is pulling from my iPhotos, and it'll be like behind the scenes of like fuller house or like shorts the short that she you know all this kind of random stuff and uh i looked up and first of all i was like why is marla uh like back-to-back photos this is so weird and fine but weird um but it was a picture of you and marla 
on the couch on the wrapping fuller uh it was our last day and uh we're sitting you guys are sitting there and then i'm in the background i just was like this is good oh, I love it. this you is a beautiful that. photo i need to be here now too <laughs> yeah, yeah. In it. yeah send that to me please i will i will um what are do you do you know harry potter at all not even a little Perfect. This question, the success rate on this question is so low and I love it. Um, okay. So in Harry Potter, there's something called a Horcrux and it's the idea that like the bad guy in the movie splits his soul into, um, eight, seven on purpose and then one on accident Horcruxes. And it's because he wants to live forever. Um, when he does it, it's bad, but he wants to live forever. So he has split his soul and like placed it in different objects. Okay. If you had to do that, if you had to like put a little bit of your soul into seven different um, things, moments, places, what would it be? You'd be doing it for good, not for bad. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is something to do with my daughters. I don't know, like, you know, be in my daughter's backpacks um, because oh. I would just want to be with them forever. Um, and uh, uh, that also includes my wife. That's definitely the first thing, um, that comes to mind. Um, also I, I've always said I want my ashes shot up in a rocket into space. I've always been so fascinated with the universe, um, that, uh, and I'm also an aqua baby. Like I love the beach and the, you know, we were fortunate enough. We spent our summers on the Jersey shore, um, where my in-laws live. And I just, I soak up my time, uh, in the salt and sand. And, um, so those are kind of the first things that come, uh, to mind, uh, for my, um, you know, my eternity, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I, I just want to be aligned with my family. Um, it's really sweet. Um, my, my family, we spread ashes. I mean, not all the time. Um, but we, we've had a lot. My <laughs> family and I, for fun, what we do is we just like find random people's ashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, um, we 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 have you know uh, a lot of death in our family, oh. and not to brag. And so um, often, we, when we spread ashes, we try and do like at least a little bit in a body of water. And uh -huh. I don't remember who originally came up with this, um, but we call it like anytime we anytime we can put like a little bit of ashes in a bar, body of water then when you go to the water it doesn't even necessarily need to be like that lake um that beach or whatever you have we call it a meet and greet it's like you you get uh, to be reunited just a little bit with them yeah i love that yeah i love that you know i saw some crazy stat they're like the sun is older than the earth but the water you drink is older than the sun because it's all, you know, it's Jeez. technically it's all stardust, right? Yeah. Like, and so it's all those, those molecules have all, have been around even longer than all of that, which is so wild to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, man, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Um, what, what is it about like space? Would you take one of the rockets into space? I probably would actually, there's some, just something about when I was a kid, I used to sleep outside and I was just obsessed with the never endingness of it all. Yeah. Um, and 
what is out there. Like, you know, I'm one of those space junkies that loves, you know, the space podcasts and the space, you know, theories and everyone's different opinion on is there life out there? Is there not? How did we start? Who's in charge? What, you know, is it a big matrix? Is, you know, like (laughs) what, is there an end to it? Is there a beginning to it? Like just the unknown um, of it all and how sort of precious life on earth is people totally do take it for granted that we're like, you know, on a flying rock through space. That's like essentially like got a molten center, you know, flying around a plasma ball, um, (laughs) that like nobody, like, you know, we just go around our day to day worrying about whether our iPhone's charged and like, you know, in, in reality we're flying through space, uh, on, you know, so it's there's just so much greater than we we are, and there's so much unknown out there that I've just it's always fascinated me. It is wild when you put it like that. We're just so lucky, like every second, we're so lucky, just so lucky. Yeah, yeah, we're so lucky. Do you think? Uh, do you believe in aliens? One hundred percent. I think there's something else out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about it like this: like on on Earth, there's something like one and a half. Is it billion species of different kinds of life or something crazy? Like, I forget what the stat is. Um, I could have totally grossly overdone that, but however many there are, that seems right. Between plant life and, you know, all the way from insects to mammals to whatever, there's so many different forms of life that survive in so many different. You go to the bottom of the ocean, you go into like the middle of a mountain, you go to the highest points, the lowest points. There's different forms of life depending on various sort of environmental. In, you know, aspects or impact or whatever that I think, you know, the, the thought that that only happens on our planet, I find to be such like sort of an egotistical viewpoint. Um, and the other thing I look at is like long before we were here, there was freaking dinosaurs. So who's to say there's not dinosaurs on another planet? Like why, why are we the like, you know, random, uh, so yes, to answer yeah. your question, I think there's absolutely all the way from probably like one cell creatures to stuff that's way, you know, beyond, you know, way more advanced than, than us. Yeah. Um, but that's just my take. I fully agree. That's how I feel too. Is like the idea that we would be the only of all the possible planets right. and, and we were the only ones that doesn't seem possible. Come on guys. <laughs> I mean, what is it? A billion stars in our galaxy alone. And there's something like, you know, What's the staggering stat is that I, there's more stars in the observable universe than there are grains of sand on Earth. And I'm like, you do that math and you're like, chances are there's another, you know, yeah, there's we, another Kim out there. God, I hope so. And, and good for her. And good luck <laughs> to her. Uh, <laughs> um, what is your most used GIF? Or emoji? GIF? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny you say that. So like my friend, I do a, um, uh, well, emoji is a different story, but is gift moving ones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in my fantasy football, going back to fantasy football, we, we, we share a, uh, a chat or whatever you want to call it, you know, that we've been doing for years Mm -hmm. and everyone throws in, you know, different gifts or gifs or whatever you call them, giffies, uh, for different reasons. But ever since Fuller House, I use my own. And everyone makes yes. fun of me and not into it. I lean into it. So yes. I, I have the booyah one. I got the one I come flying through the door and I'm like, uh, Kanichi up. I have all the like different ones. I have the one I'm screaming like uh, in the haunted house, the the Gibbler's house. Yeah. 
the one where I jump up from the alligator, like I use them. And now my buddies like to make fun of me. They're like, who uses their own gift? And I'm like, who has their own gift? Yeah. So I use them all. I like, I fully lean into it. Uh, yeah. So I like to, uh, I like to use my own. <laughs> Good. I'm, that's that answer makes me so happy. That's great. <laughs> As you should. Right. I'm like, come on. Like, uh, I'm not shy about it. Like I wear my swag too. Like some people are like, you know, afraid to wear their swag that they get from shows. I'm like, are you kidding me? If I was on the Lakers, I'd be wearing my Lakers gear. So I'm <laughs> certainly going to be wearing my fuller house sweatshirt. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not, there's not, I'm not too proud for that. Well, we also got so much gear. Fuller, like right? you could dress yourself for, um, at, at least a week and never repeat an outfit with, everything so that true. we got from fuller <laughs> yeah. so true and i love it I, I still have all of it same yeah you know what i wear all the time that was not swag from the show but um i i gotta plug them is the um dave's cut it out shirts oh yeah so, his ugly sweater like his his ugly christmas sweater Do you oh, have I that see, one? no what the hell no oh, it's awesome it's an ugly christmas sweater that's a cut it out well guess what the first text i'm gonna send after this <laughs> <laughs> No, I just have the t-shirts and I have a long sleeve one as well, but they're so soft. They're so comfortable. I love them. Uh, what is something you will never change your mind about? Oh God. Um, I'll never change my mind about loving my kids. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, lead with love. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a million other, like, I would never change my mind that there's not alien life out there. Uh, um, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a million things. Uh, I would never say no to a cheeseburger. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It could go deep or it could go surface. I, uh, there, yeah, that I'm 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 my happiest with my family. That's very sweet. Um, what is your favorite picture? Oh, good question. Um, right now, what comes to mind? I mean, there's a million. Obviously, I go you know, especially now we have phones, it's like everything's, you know, so I have like so many family pictures that I love. Um, but there's one, my kids got me for Christmas. My brother passed away, I guess year, almost two years ago now. And there's a picture from my wedding, um, that my, my kids just printed out, uh, that's me my brother and my sister at my wedding. Um, that I would say if I had to currently pick one, that would probably be it. Um, that and just a million of, you know, I have some wedding pictures that I cherish. Uh, and then, you know, I could go round and around about when my, when my kids were little, like every single one of those pictures is priceless. Yeah. Um, what was your brother's name? Bo. Bo. I love yeah. that. That's a great, that's an underused name. I feel like. I t totally agree. Yeah. And he was B-E-A-U. Um, that bow, not bo, um, and uh, yeah, he was he was amazing. He was amazing. Was he older or younger? Older, yeah, older. twelve years older actually. Oh wow, yeah, uh, yeah. Are you the baby of the family? By far, 
yeah, nine years, the baby. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, I was yeah, certainly <laughs> the baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my older siblings like to remind me of that. <laughs> uh, did, did they have like kind of a parenting role as well then? 100%. My sister, especially my brother, not so much, but my sister to this day is like, um, especially when I was younger, cause it was, my mom was single. Um, and for when I was growing up and mm-hmm. my sister took on way more of a responsibility than any, um, sister needs to, or should. I mean, she was always there for me. Um, you know, to this day, I, you know, she was always like, another parent to me. Um, she drove me, she gave me money, she, whatever I needed as a kid, like my older sister was there for me 100% without like unequivocally, like she was there for me more than, I mean, besides my mom, it'd be my mom. And then my sister, it was like, she was, you know, and I could call her right now and be like, I need this. And she'd be like, we'll figure it out. Wow. Um, she, um, she's really special. Single mom with three kids. I grew up with, uh, my parents got divorced when I was in like fifth grade, I think. Um, I didn't pay much attention to what they were doing. I was pretty busy um, trying to do skateboarding. Um, but the single mothers, man, there's like nothing like superheroes. it. Superheroes. They are superheroes. Yeah. yeah. My parents split when I was two. So it's all I knew. Yeah. Um, and my brother and sister were so much older. They come from a different dad. So that's the generation gap. Um, so by the time I was like of any kind of age, my brother was actually, you know, much older. He was 12 years older. So he was essentially moved out. In fact, when he was a young teen, he moved in with his dad. And so it was really me and my sister and my mom for many years. Uh, and that hence my sister being such a huge impact in, in my life. Yeah. Um, and again, we didn't come from, you know, come from much as some people would, you know, and so that love was, uh, was our wealth. What is your favorite age? Ha. Oh gosh. That's a great question. Um, it's also beautiful. Like I look back, I mean, like, of course any of us would want to start over and be young again. Like I loved high school and I loved college. Um, but I have cherished, uh, every step of the way. Um, I enjoyed my twenties. Um, God, if I had to pick an age, it's hard because it's like, once you have kids, you're going, well, I just, I can never see my life without kids. Um, but I mean, twenties were so fun because it was like, I moved to LA with nothing. And it was just like this sense of like crazy freedom Mm -hmm. and living on a dream and a hope. And, um, so gosh, I, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Um, I just don't want my kids getting any older. So I'm like, (laughs) right now, let's just just pause right now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what are you a fan of? Oh man. I am a fan. Well, I spend my weekends on the sidelines of my girls' basketball games um, because they're huge basketball players. So I'm a fan of them. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a huge football fan, as I mentioned. Um, I'm a fan of art. I'm a fan of empathy. Um, I'm a fan of, um, gosh, um, yeah, huge. I mean, 
on on the surface level, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, I love my alma mater, Oregon State. Um, so I'm a huge fan of them. But underneath, it's like you know, I'm a huge just fan of my my kids and my wife, and um, huge fan of my mom. I think she overcame some of life's most difficult hurdles. Uh, she's certainly my hero. Um, so yeah, all good things to be a fan of. Uh, you're from Ellensburg, right? I am. That's why. That's where I was born. You and uh, Sony? Ellensburg, Washington. No. Okay. So, Sony and I are from Beaverton. So oh, Ellensburg is where right. I was from, where I was born, right? I and that's actually where my dad still lives. Um, I lived in Ellensburg till I was about five years old, and then we moved to Oregon. And so I really grew up in Oregon. Gotcha. Um, so, but the whole Northwest feels like home. But specifically, Beaverton is where I went to high school, and that's where Sony's from. We were literally from, like, we grew up going to the same grocery store. Like, we're from the same area, um, a suburb of Portland in Beaverton, and um, which is the craziest coincidence ever. Like, yeah. you know, it's me, Sony, and Nike. Uh, <laughs> that's the, Beaverton's uh, claim to fame. Cool. Uh, I, uh, I loved it there. No, I had a great time there. I loved my high school and my time there and my friends and, um, but yeah, Ellensburg is where I was born. Gotcha. Um, social media. Do you have it? Do you want to name John Brotherton really Instagram, but I'm not even that great at it. I try to be better at it. Um, I, in a perfect world, I, you know, would love to be private. Um, but it is part of our business. So, uh, you know, really it's just my Instagram account. I don't really, tweet um randomly i will uh but yeah i try to stay on it you know i'm not i'm not that great it was easier when i was like on a show or whatever because you're like i can just post this random stuff all the time yeah i have a hard time posting like what i ate for dinner or like you know things like that um well i wish uh, you would i want to can you start like a separate (laughs) instagram you can make it private just like what are you eating for dinner that's all no comments (laughs) That's what I'm looking for. That's the content that people want. (laughs) (laughs) I do love to cook. So, um, yeah. What's your favorite thing to cook? Oh gosh. Oh man. Uh, I love it all. Really. I love, I really, really, I call it my therapy. Um, and, uh, I love my time in the kitchen. I cook most of our meals. My kids, I laugh. They're probably a little spoiled because they wake up to like a real like proper storybook breakfast every morning you know <laughs> like a commercial so yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> but it's it's probably my own weird um i don't know what yeah uh i like having a whole spread i, I just love feeding people i love hosting people and feeding people and i think food is the ultimate um binder i think it brings people together and um you know uh so i yeah. Uh, my favorite thing to cook. I love, I don't know. I love, I mean, I'm a, I'm a meats guy. So anything from, you know, s- steaks to, I love my crock pot or specifically my Dutch oven. Um, but fish, I mean, we're, honestly, I love cooking it all. Awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. John, this has been great. 
longest. Thank you so like, much. I had so many questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you're awesome. I'm yeah. a fan of you, Kim. Oh, That's what I'm a fan of. You're the best. That's what I was looking no, for with that question. You were always just so wonderful when we were, I mean, that, that goes without saying, like when we were all working together, you were everyone's superstar um, that we leaned on when we needed anything. Well, that's very kind. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. Thank, that, that was very kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. So there we go. That was John Brotherton. If you're looking for John on social media, you can find him at John Brotherton on Instagram. If you're looking for the show, we are at Kim Moffat is a fan on Instagram and TikTok. And if you're looking for me, I am at Kim Moffat on Instagram and Twitter. And at Kim Moffat is here on TikTok because I wasn't able to get my own name on TikTok. If you have a moment and you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show so that other people can also find episodes. Thanks so much. Have a great week.